Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast, because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host, as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to anyone and everyone who supports everything we got going on. Special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, which is growing as always. Also, shout out to all the students from the By the Hood camp, which has started, and all the parents who you know brought students to the By the Hood camp, because uh, as you know, it's online this year. And um. You know, so it's it's been amazing thus far. I just want to say thank you all. I'm joined by my partner, Crime, as always. Core, what's up, brother? You're muted, bro. Hey, what's going on, y'all? You know how I do. Every day above ground is a good day. We're not going to complain about being alive. Oh, yeah, this is true. This is true. But as you know, our show is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work in the community building businesses, and just doing overall positive things. The sister that we have who we're here with us now is an attorney, community activist, entrepreneur, anything you want to see. She's done a lot of things, um, but she, she she has a lot of things that I, I absolutely have to talk to her about. We did an event together, and, and she said some things, that, and her vernacular is just amazing. I got to yeah. tell her that before we bring her on, but, um, but we're joined by Shabri. Shabri, what's going on? Shabri Parker of you know Everyday Esquire. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, uh, listeners. For having me. Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, like I said, when we when we did the event, I said I gotta get you on the show because some of the things you talk about just aren't conversations that we have in our community, but they are important. Um, you know, as you, as you know, our sister Courtney always talks about trusts and wills, but you even started talking about other things, and we'll get into that. We'll get into you know other other ways that we have to prepare uh, to protect our wealth. But I want to talk. Start with your story. Where are you originally from? And what was your upbringing like? And what schools did you attend? Okay, so I am um, Shabri, y'all like Shabri, like the cheese. And I'm a Philly girl, born and raised. I've lived here all of my life. Um, I, <laughs> it's so funny. The the questions about like what schools I've gone to is like one of the funniest things about my background. Um, for a number of reasons, I moved around a lot. So as a kid, I went to a number of different elementary schools. So um, people always ask me what neighborhood I'm from. I'm always like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, but I am a very, very proud graduate of Central High School. Whoa! Okay. Hey, y'all, you know, Lancers are everywhere. So I'm proud to be a Lancer among Lancers. There you go. <laughs> and, um, and then as a, as a true Philly girl, I went to, um, I went to Millersville for undergrad. I went to Drexel for law school. And then I got my master's at Temple. So Philly girl, she is me. I am her. <laughs> nice. Nice. First and foremost, um, I just got to say, uh, I got to salute you because um, I went to law school as well. And I still have PTSD from the Socratic method. So anybody that, that has been through it, I always give you guys like, you know, credit because, um, you know, I, I, I still wake up in cold sweats dealing with that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> definitely, definitely an experience. <laughs> but but with that being said, though, um, when you went to law, was your intention always to be an attorney or how how that come about? No, you know, it's funny. I did not always want to be a lawyer. Honestly, I grew up here again. Right. Like I wanted to be a news anchor. 
I kind of wanted to be Renational, um, but I like wanted to be an anchor on the news. And then um, I remember talking to some communication students about like how you become an anchor. And we were talking about like how um, people get sent off to those, those little towns and you see them on the side of the road and like the bloopers getting blown away in the snow or the <laughs> rain. <laughs> it's like, okay. All right, that's not for me. I'm not going to Arkansas because that's what my mind told me was going to happen. I was going to get sent to Arkansas and I was going to blow away in a tornado. So I thought, okay. <laughs> well, where are my strengths? I was already an English major. Um, and so I thought to myself, well, what are my strengths? And my strengths are in um, speaking and education, in uh, debates. <laughs> in uh, reading and in writing. I'm like, I've always been really, I've always been a better communicator in writing anyway. And so I started to think, well, what careers does that work for? Okay, maybe I'll go to law school. So I was, um, I think a junior, sophomore, or a, I think it was a sophomore in college when I was like, okay, law school, law school, that's the thing we're going to do. We could do that. We could definitely do that. And I'm glad that I made that choice. Nice. Um, nice. Most days, most days, most days, most days. So do you specialize in any specific? Um, well, I know that you, you know, you deal with like, you know, trust estates and everything. Is, um, is that your specialty or? So, you know, those pesky people at the discipline board are going to insist that I tell you that you can't specialize in Pennsylvania. However, I do um, happen to focus my practice in the areas of um, legacy and estate building. Um, what that means is that I help people with their estate plans, help them with their business plans and their business development. Um, we do their trust planning. We do some uh, estate administration as well as um, family planning, business planning. Um, so prenups are part of your estate plan, just like operating agreements are. Because, well, prenups are prenups in real life. Operating agreements are prenups in business. So my practice is a really a, a practice that is focused on growing your legacy, making mm -hmm. your everyday mean something for the people who you're doing it for. People got a why. I want to make sure they have a how, a when, a where, and a what, too. So how did you um, get into that? you know specific like what was it about that that drew you there so when you when you practice law there's so many parts of the law you could practice right how did you get into that field so um it's funny my practice happened to me i did not choose it it chose me uh, one of my very first cases out of law school my very first private cases was a close relative and they had been intentionally or not intentionally left out of an estate administration and they wanted somebody to help them um, so one of my very first cases for their actual inheritance right, um, um, an evil stepmother. Um, then shortly thereafter, I had another client who needed to have a will contest. He needed his, his sister had done some really deceptive tactics that we needed to deal with. And so it just sort of snowballed that way. Mm -hmm. Now I didn't I didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I see dead people, I'm gonna do dead people. No, 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 no. <laughs> no and in large part, my practice is the, 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 the dead people are the minimum. Most of them, everybody's alive. We're planning to live a long life. We're just planning to have money the whole time, planning to have things the whole time. But um, again, I did. So I did this practice as a as a, it developed alongside other areas, because what I can see is that there is a need for it. Um, everybody has an estate. So everybody needs an estate plan. And I can't do everybody's plan. 
but I can put everybody that I can reach on notice of the need to do a plan. Um, so this practice was born out of necessity. Um, black lawyers are really important and the trust in the state space is just as important as the criminal defense space or as is the, 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 judici the judiciary or the law school professors. Um, being in, in this space is one that allows me to talk to everybody about everything. We wanna talk about planning for the million dollars you have or planning for the million dollars you hope to get. Let's plan it all. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a question I have. I have a lot of questions based on what you said, but the first thing is this, and it's something that I heard you say before, is that we all have estates, so we all need a plan because a lot of times in having conversations with folks in our community, they say, I don't have nothing, so I don't need no estate plan. Do you hear that? And what's your response to that? I do just like this. But no, seriously, everybody says that. And so, okay, here's the thing. Everybody has an estate. Everybody has stuff. Now, people will say, oh, I don't have a lot of stuff because they're, in their mind, they have reduced their property or their value to only real estate that they own or only the balances that are in their accounts. And so they take um, a they take an approach where they compare what they have, their perception of it to their perception of some other thing. But that's just not the case because not only do you have any real property that you may own and any money in your bank accounts, but you eggs, shoes, clothes, hats, um, Jordans, designer bags, you've got art that's hanging on the walls, you've got, uh, you got stocks and bond certificates, you've got silver dollars, you've got furniture that everybody loves, you've got China, you've got stuff. And all of that stuff needs a plan. Um, people are often like, oh, I don't have much, I'll just leave it to my person, my executor, I'll just let them figure it out. And I'm like, okay, so the day after your funeral, they're standing in your living room with no idea what to do with your things. How do they know that you wanted all of your um, fraternity or sorority insignia to go back to your fraternity or sorority? How do they know that you wanted to donate your clothes to the charity that you wanted to donate to? They don't, unless you have a plan. So I talk to people about seeing themselves, their lives, their assets, their property in a much more holistic way. Because if you appreciate the things around you, then you'll start appreciating where they should go next. Because, you know, you've been keeping your things a certain way. No, you don't want them to just go by the wayside. I didn't. I'm looking around. And I didn't grow all these beautiful plants just for somebody to leave them in the dumpster because they didn't know where else to put them. <laughs> no, no, no. My will says what to do. You got to do it. You better do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a great answer right there. Um, and when someone sets a plan up like that and they tell you, you know, where everything should go, how often should they update it or revisit it? State plan is something that should be updated whenever you've had a major life event. So birth, death, marriage, divorce, adoption, hit the lottery, go bankrupt, start a new business, buy a, buy a boat buy lots of inventory, acquire some art, get an inheritance. When life comes at you fast, you should revisit your estate plan. If life has been easy breezy for a couple years, well, if it's been three to five years and you haven't even looked at it, please look at your estate plan. Make sure all the people that are in it are still alive. You still have the things you want to give to them. You still want to give them to those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, we've seen that before. Where, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you can only change it while you're here. It's gone. What you said is what you said. 
<laughs> yeah. Another thing that you talked about, what I found amazingly interesting was you talked about prenups, right? Because again, you know, just being completely honest in, in our community, at least in my, in, in my experience, first of all, if I'm being completely honest, um, black folks, I know they, they just break up. They don't even get divorced. They just like, you know, they, they be, they be married oh, for 30 I know. years. I know. That's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. I was talking about that. <laughs> they haven't even seen each other, talked to each other in 20 years, but on paper, they're still married, right? So that still is married. I'm not trying to generalize, but that's my experience. No, that's a right? thing. That's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> but but another thing is where I come from, no one talks about prenups, has prenups. And you you were explaining to me the importance of it, right? Um yes. and you, you did it in your way where you you know you use words that make you know difficult things just sound so beautiful. <laughs> it's one of your specialties. But can, <laughs> can you explain to our audience the importance of a prenup, you know, even for those who feel like they don't have it, you know, much? You know, it prenups are, are so interesting. Like they're just the most interesting tools because like the media portrays prenups is these rich people trying to take advantage of these less fortunate people by not giving them their fair share of anything and trying to dupe them into this under the privilege or the guise of marriage. But that's literally not what a prenup is there for. A prenup is there like insurance. A prenup is no different than the warrant, the insurance you have on your phone or your car, or your motorcycle or your, your renter's insurance, your home insurance, your, your flood insurance, the bunker you hope to never use. A prenup is insurance. A prenup says that I'm coming to this relationship whole, coming to this relationship with things of value that, that exist, that exist as a part of me. And you come to this relationship with things of value. Together, we might build some things and that would be great, but maybe we won't. Or maybe in addition to the things we build together, we also still want the freedom to be able to build things on our own. A prenup says, I get to be free to love you without having to worry about what of my things each year makes me beholden to you. So you don't ever expect to crash your car. You don't expect to crack your phone. You don't expect to do any of those things. However, when your phone gets ran over by a car, because it actually happened to me on a early on a Saturday afternoon, one weekend when I had a lot to do. But if you don't expect your phone to get ran over by a car, but you are very, very grateful when you have the insurance policy that covers it, you should really, really rethink what you think about a prenup. A prenup says, I've been working. I got these degrees. I got this master's. I also got these student loans and you got those student loans. And well, I own this property and you own that one. And the one we buy together is gonna be ours. But the things that we only have in our names is just gonna be ours. You wanna know why? Because we know at the beginning when we're all in love, we're all happy. We know now what we think is fair to decide on the way out. And then, then the thing that I like the most about them that even, that even sort of addresses the people who are just completely freaked out about it and think it's the most unromantic thing ever, is that prenups can be tailored the way you want them to be. So one of the things I really like to talk about are sunset clauses. A sunset clause says, hey, we're going to do this prenup now today, but if we've been married for X number of years, maybe the numbers change. If we've been married for X number of years and we haven't filed for divorce, then cool, we this goes away as if it never existed, right? So that protects your interest when you're worried that, well, you're going to get a divorce in 20 years and be bound to some number that you get to pick, you get to have an opinion about, you get to be thoughtful about, you get to decide your intentions. 
again, at the time that everybody is happy and loving and just wanting the best for one another. Because, well, we all know all this fair and love and war and the, and the, in the divorce, all bets are off. You avoid the nasty divorce. You avoid the bankruptcy. You avoid the financial tug of war. You avoid the stress and strife of the divorce proceedings. If your prenup already says who gets what and how and where, we can just go our separate ways. Take a vacation to celebrate the divorce, bruh. Take a vacation, <laughs> sis. Go on a cruise. So, so what you're saying is like it's an estate plan for living people, basically. Yes. It's like your estate plan for your marriage. Yes. Corey, you better bring it around. Listen, this, everything needs an estate plan, Corey. Listen, you better bring, bring it home. Did you, did you catch that quote? She got game. She says, a prenup makes me free to love you. I wish I'd have known you a few years earlier. Maybe. Hey, maybe. hey, man, you know, wifey, we'll watch this. But listen, though, here's the thing. <laughs> I, know, I know people listening or watching are going to have this um comment. How do you um bring that topic up? Because of the way, like you said, everything goes back to marketing, right? Even when you talk about wills and trusts, when you watch pop culture, they make it seem like it's only for the uber wealthy, right? Um, you know, you talk about prenups, the way it's been marketed to us is, is, is unromantic. It's for people trying to get over on each other into a marriage. So how do you have these, every, you know, your everyday Esquire. So how does the everyday person have this conversation with their loved one? So now, all right. So now you're engaged. I don't think you should wait until you're engaged to start having conversations about prenups. Cause then it gets weird. People start wondering if you have ulterior motives, right? So we're dating. And the way we have a conversation about prenup is the same way we talk about any other component of our estate plan. And it's like, okay, so if we broke up, like, let's say we were sharing a house, would you move out or do you think I should move out? Or what do you think about bank accounts? Like, I have mine and you have yours. Like, should we have a joint account that we use for, like, house expenses? Like... When we decide how to co-sign on our loans, I think that like maybe we should consider how how much each of us has in loans before we decide who, whose name to put on what. Um, because some stuff like, you know, it might make sense to like sell this or keep that or move this around. You know, we might need to we might get real rich and need to have different opportunities. Or, hey, um, so I was thinking that. Um, I was thinking about like how um, Tiger Woods and his wife, like Tiger Woods really lost everything. Like, I mean, yeah, he could have like, he could have apologized or whatever, but that was just so messy. Why did he have to like, like, or insert, insert person who wasn't with them shooting in the gym or Drake. He was, he was like, how she even entitled to all of that? Like, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that if we've been together for this amount, like I've been taking care of this, then maybe I'll continue to take care of that, but I'm only going to do it for this amount of time. And then you just have a convert. You're having a conversation. Like it's a mm -hmm. continuing conversation. You don't wake up one day with a prenup all worked out. Nah, you've been talking about it. Y'all been, y'all been navigating how to get through and how to move forward because you're a unit, like you're a union, but you're still individual units. And, we still gonna have family. Like, what happens when my grandma gives me that house? Like, when we get that, we might want to turn that into a rental. And well, maybe we don't want that to be yours because you still got. Maybe you got a a financial obligation. Maybe it's a judgment against you. Maybe it's a child support obligation. Maybe it's something else. So I, we don't want to put that in your name. Maybe we put that in an LLC. How do we own that? Like, it's a continuing it's plenty, conversation. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? <laughs> what's crazy about that is um, what I've learned over the last couple of years is, and it's it's always weird to me. 
people aren't having those conversations. I, I just so saw, scared. Yeah, I'm not even gonna send. I'm not even gonna put nobody's name out there. I just saw someone get divorced because um, you know, one person wanted children, and the other one didn't. And I was sitting there thinking, like, y'all didn't have this conversation while y'all were dating. Like, so I mean, people aren't even having the. I'm not trying to turn it to a relationship show, but people aren't even having the basic conversations that you would think to even get to that point. Um, right. So it's about relationships, though. Like, this is how you. You know, what I mean, this is part of the relationship because relationships have beginnings, middles, and ends. Right. And so, you know, the beginning of the relationship when everything is lovey dovey, like, you know, Shabri was talking about, is the time to talk about this stuff because you don't want to get to the middle in the end and not have talked about any of this stuff and then don't know where nothing is or how nothing's supposed to go. You would, you, you just talk about how when, when your mother passed, how she had her affairs in order, mm -hmm. how easy it made it to, to grieve. Absolutely. And to, and, to, and to do those kind of things. And so, this goes along those same lines. Like, all right, if we if the love is lost at some point, now we it, it makes it easier for us to to do whatever we got to do as far as people are concerned because we already had a plan for that if it came to that. So yeah. I don't, I, you know, but you know, people don't ever want to think that their relationships are going to end. But we're people, and so mm -hmm. things happen. And so I, you know, I kind of agree with how you know, Shabri, you know, for me, it's just like you know. The thing about it is that if it never ends, none of this ever matters. True. It yeah, literally true. doesn't matter. Like it will be just like your kids' macaroni art from, from daycare. <laughs> <laughs> In 10 years, none of this will matter if it never matters. When mm -hmm. it matters will be when it matters. And that's when we need it to matter. That's when we need our in love selves. Because who knows which one of both of us has morphed into a different person at this point? Who knows what has been the catalyst for what's happening here? You want to know how hard it can be to get a divorce from an addict? You want to be stuck married to somebody? You want to be stuck splitting? Split? You want to be stuck with someone with the with the with the liabilities of a person that they took out after y'all got separated because they never signed the divorce papers, but they either forged your name on a document or they just put their name on it. And the, the lien holder considers the spouse also an interested party. And that, or you got to fight that. You got to pay lawyers to argue with people about how you haven't seen this derelict spouse in years. So all of this makes <laughs> sense. But let me ask you this question. How difficult are these conversations for you um, when, when trying specifically to the prenup? Like, is it still a difficult conversation? Do you still have pushback from your clients? Like, oh, you know, like. Well, yes and no. I think I get the most um, I think I get the most sort of pushback when it comes to um, when I'm talking to like groups. Um, because a lot of times it's their first time even considering a prenup as a real thing. Like black people don't do that. Cause you know, it's a lot of things that they say black people don't do. Black people go to therapy. We get estate plans. We do prenups, but <laughs> um, so by the time people are consulting with me about a prenup, they usually just need to understand like what their rights are like, okay, so this person is, this person has this, but also has that. And I have this but also that what what are we required to do what where is our flexibility what ways can we what are suggestions on how we could work this out um so i talked to couples about like what their plan is like mm -hmm. okay is it that you know like 
some of my some of my my families there are there are known and sort of permanent income disparities, and so there's built-in payment schedules that sometimes they graduate, sometimes they're lump sum, sometimes they're adjustable, right? Um, other people might own property, they might have businesses and they have business partners, and so there might be specific language that says the spouse can't seek an interest in the business by virtue of being the spouse, right? Like I've agreed, I'm not going to do that. I mean, they might have to buy me out, but I'm not going to mess with them. Or maybe it's yours because it's in your name and it's with a third party. So it's always, mm -hmm. gonna be yours. and my thing I do over here is always going to be mine. So a lot of, so by the time I talk to people, it's usually because they want to know <laughs> essentially how they can finesse it. Like, okay, we've agreed that we think we should get one. How do we do it? <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And and I, I know wills are a part of this as well. Um, and th that's another thing that you know um, we have to make sure. Overall, we have to make sure our paperwork is straight. That's what it really boils down to. Yes. You know, in our community, and again, speaking from experience, I don't want to generalize. Um, a lot of times our paperwork isn't straight, and this is an interesting topic for me because I've had um, you know, ancestors who did the right things in terms of acquiring assets but they didn't work on the next part in terms of passing it to the next generation. So there's land that has been lost in my family because grandmom left it to seven people because she was trying to be fair. And <laughs> so <laughs> look at their face. And it's like, just because, and it's the, the reason why that happens is because we are, we're just a few generations behind in a lot of things, yes. like in just a lot of areas. We, we, we are fast. We are track stars but we're just still a few generations behind some other communities when it comes to estate plans. Because so many of the seniors, like the senior senior citizens, the 75 plus, those senior citizens, most of them in their 80s and 90s are really, 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 like their mind tells them that the only fair way to distribute their property is to give it to five people. And I spent lots of my consultation times explaining why that's a bad idea 10 different ways. The answer is that if you give it to a bunch of people, you need all of those people to agree. And no matter who those people are, the likelihood of that is just slim to none. And if any of those people die, their heirs become part of the group conversation. So um, yes, a lot of people want to do that because they just haven't had the conversation or the experience. They have no idea. And so I'm just here to try to Tell as many people as possible, like, no, no, no. You wouldn't leave your sandwich to five people. You would leave someone the sandwich, someone the juice, and someone the chips. So that's what we're going to do with your estate plan. <laughs> Please and yep. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Listen, you, 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 you've, you've given us a lot of education today already. <laughs> already. Let me ask you this, though. Along this journey, right, you know, growing up in Philadelphia, moving around a lot, um, going to the greatest high school in the world, um, and, 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 you know, you said that your profession fell on you in terms of, you know, what you practice. What has been um, the biggest obstacle or hurdle or something that you had to overcome? I don't want this to sound cliche, but money. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what you mean by that. I mean that, you know, an, this is an area where you have to convince people that there is a problem or that there is an issue that they need to solve that's in order for them to want to proactively solve it. I am no different than most other Black professionals. So I have student loans. Mm 
So money is, it works on both sides. Like I've got to, I understand the dynamic of needing to explain to parents and grandparents who have worked and sacrificed their whole lives that their, their estate has significant value, even if they don't consider it to have significant monetary value. Just as I have to, just as I talk to people who have a lot of money and no idea what to do with it. So I think that um, in the, just in the experience and in the exposure, um, that is generally like the obstacle that stands between um, who we are and how we get there. Um, like, I always wish that I had, um, like, if I that I could have inherited uh, country club memberships and things like that because the rich conversations take place on the golf course and on the tennis course. It's mm-hmm. cool now because now I can now I can purchase my way in. I can earn my way in. But just go. generational wealth is a thing that we don't appreciate <clears throat> the value of. We can only see the um, the lack thereof or um, observe the uh, the benefits or the privileges of it. So I just think that like, so my goal, my goal is to, to help people not, to help my people to not have the same problems that I had. You know, you're supposed to build, <laughs> I'm not, I yeah. was not about to say that, but you're supposed to like, you know, lift as you climb. You're supposed to be helping the next, helping the people that are with you. We're also supposed to be lifting up as we grow. So, you know, our kids, our, my nieces, nephews, they won't, they won't know these things. Generational wealth will be a thing that they talk about all the time because auntie be. is a lawyer and the other auntie is a funeral director. And we've been talking about, generations and planning mm-hmm. yeah it so. goes to what you said before no it goes to what you said before about us just being a little bit behind in terms of those things those are those weren't conversations that were had but now they will be um yeah. you know Corey likes to say that if the, if the next generation starts off where you started off then you failed <laughs> you know so it, it, so that's the that's the good thing about it so i i get that now also i want to ask you um what is your favorite book or a book that's inspired you along your journey so i was trying to think about like because there are just so many. Like when I think of a book, I have warm feelings give us, about um, all of them. Give us a couple. Give us a couple. But okay, what I'll say is that I think that the book that has had um, the most impact on on me as a maybe as a as a real grown up, like you know, there's a there's a baby adult, and then you cross over into the real adult space. Mm-hmm. And so, I, as a real adult, um, the year of yes was very, very, very important to mm-hmm. my way of seeing um, my role in the larger society, in my life, in my relationships. And so I thought that Shonda Rhimes did a really, really, really good job with The Year of Yes. I recommended it to countless people and I do go back to it periodically um, because I need to be reminded of things like um, always saying yes to yourself and that saying no is saying yes. (laughs) So um, so I really like that. Um, Along the the topic, along the, um, the lines of the the, those little self-help memoir style books. I really like Damon John's The Power of um, The Power of Broke. Power of Broke. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah, that that, that was really informative. And I convinced my brother to listen to the Audible. So that means he must have said something that was at least kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good one. I, and, and actually, not not going to lie, I got that on Audible too. But I mean, it is. Yeah. I love my Audible. Shout out to Audible. Cut a check. Um, so, you know, it's so funny. Like I, I was an English major and then I went to law school and like law school, as you know, it will uh, literally like I, I, I spent a couple of years when like I couldn't catch up with a book anymore. So one of the things I've been enjoying as like a, a woman with fresh eyes and with someone who gets to revisit the favorites of her past is going back through my book boxes and revisiting old classics. Um, last year, this year, 
you know, the last year. Um, I reread The Bluest Eye and Their Eyes Were Watching God. And yep. I was just happy to be able to circle back to them with a fresh perspective. Um, so I'm a, I'm a bookworm. No, listen, no, um, no, if that's, you got that's, favorites, that's, let me know. That, no, that's important to do, though. That's important to do. I, I, I went back a couple, um, about two years ago and I started doing some of that. Like I was reading Animal Farm. Um, you know, oh, that's another one. I think I got that on my like audible list. Love that book. Like that's that's one of the few books that I read in school that actually had an impact on anything that I've ever done. Mm. Yeah, same here. Same here. <laughs> no, same here. That's what. That's why that one, nineteen eighty four, a lot of the George Orwell books. So I, I I did the same thing, but you always get a different perspective when you go back and read something, especially because you have more life experience. So you you start to see things different, especially when if it's a good book. Uh, but those are those are some excellent books, though. Um, the Year of Yes, like even the premise behind that is powerful. So I, I think that's an amazing book that's inspired you. So let me ask you this question, right? We know what you do in terms of planning. Um, you told us about your journey to get there. What is the future for you and your business? Like, what are some of the things that you're looking to do in the future? Oh, man, I want to finesse these estate plans. Like, <laughs> I want us to understand the value of a foundational plan, but I want us to start thinking about a foundational estate plan like we think about having a spare tire or having AAA. Like, okay, it's cool to have AAA, but how can I flex? Like, where are the good speakers? Where is the good sound system? Like, I want... Um, people, I want to help people's businesses grow. I want to grow with them. Um, there are a lot of people that are from our communities that need assistance that looks like us because there are spaces that I won't say they prey on them, but I will say that they don't particularly look out for them. So, you know, if y'all happen to know any professional athletes who just got picked up in the drafts and need a black lawyer to help them plan their estates because they got all this money and they want to live out their careers like AI and not like other people, I'm your girl. So <laughs> we talk about the future. We talk about helping the people. It's not just planning for when you die. It's planning to live an amazing life. It's plan. It's like, oh, you want to retire early? Well, let's figure out. Meet. Let's work with your financial planner and figure out what set of mechanisms we need. To, we need to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So there's the future for Everyday Esquire. If you're looking for a lawyer and you're watching this, EverydayESQ.com. There we go. <laughs> That's right. Do your commercial. I love it. I ain't mad at that at all. You got, you got any questions for the system? I do. I have like 70 questions, but I'm going, Let's to, do it. I'm going to boil it down to one or two. Uh, the first question is, um, you know, with your upbringing and then all of that stuff coming, um, how has being a woman lawyer affected your business? It has been, it has been the most amazing gift and curse. So um, I've been practicing for a lot of years. I mean, for the first few years of my private practice, my practice was kind of split family law and estates. And so when I was a family practitioner, I represented fathers in custody actions and um, adoptions and, and things like that. I really, really liked that work. And then in that space, it was funny to be a young black woman representing men in custody in, in family court, a place where they often feel like they've been taken advantage of. At the same time, I also had to adopt the habit of wearing glasses so that the security guards and the other court officials might actually think I was a lawyer and not um, anybody else. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, gifts and a curse, right? As I've grown my practice, it has um, 
it's been interesting. There are um, there are not most of the people in my practice area are men. Um, women are making strides, and the women have the numbers of women have grown exponentially. Um, but not only is the practice of law male dominated, but particularly probate and estate and trust and estates is male dominated. I mean, I've had people say to me, well, um, the guy that I spoke to, he charged more and he wasn't even as nice as you, but I still think I'm going to go with him in real life. Right. Wow. Um, <laughs> in real life. Oh, man. So, you know, it, it's going it's going to come. However, it's, it's going to come um, before as many people who discount me because I'm a woman or because of because they perceive my youth because Lex on crack um, <laughs> because of my perceived or because of my uh, because I, of my gender. There are a lot of people who seek that out. Like they love a lawyer who makes them feel good about themselves, a, a lawyer who looks like them. Um, some of my clients have said like, oh, I look up to you, which is not something that I would encourage because I look up to my clients. You're like, you know, it's a, this is a, an exchange of amazing energy. But um, so I, it's, it's been a gift and a curse. It's worked out for me. People like talking to me, I guess, because they like looking at me. They're willing to listen to what I've got to say. Um, so it works that way. Um, and I feel really happy about the space that I'm occupying, whether it's um, with my, whether it's following in the footsteps of my mentors or it's showing my mentees what this practice can look like and not look like just what it's, what it looks like in their firms. It is what it is. It ain't like I could do anything about it. So I'm just gonna be a woman out here in this lawyer, just lawyering. <laughs> no, I, I asked that question because my mom was in the state. Uh, she worked in the state, but she worked as an accountant. And mm -hmm. so, um, the other question I wanted to ask you is, you know, you deal with a lot of death in the state. So how does that affect, you know, affect how what you do and, and where you know where you where you go? I'll be trying not to make it weird, like not to make it morbid when I'm working through people, like when I'm helping people work through their their uh, their advanced directive. Like, OK, it's going to be kind of weird, but this section applies to when you are brain dead in a permanent vegetative state. What would you like? Check here. Check there. So I usually try to make light of that in, in, in the exit in the planning space, <clears throat> in the administration space. I'm a human, so I'm empathetic and I'm considerate. And it's usually very helpful for my clients that are experiencing a loss, they're experiencing grief, to be able to um, give over the, the legal requirements and not really have to worry about that or to be able to give it to somebody else and only have to follow directions, not have to figure out which way to go. So I don't know, I try not to take it. Maybe it's that I'm, I don't, maybe it's that I'm not really taking it literally all the time. Uh, I mean, that's not to say that some days it's not kind of sad because something sad happened or something really crazy happened or something happened in my own life that was way too close to what happened in my my client's life. But generally, you know, I try to make jokes where people feel light about it. They don't have to feel all heavy and morbid and nervous because we're not talking about nervous things. We're talking about money. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's true. <laughs> you know, I mean, you said I'm a human and I have empathy. I mean, I agree with you, but also I realize that some of y'all humans out here, y'all don't have no empathy. But, you know, that's another story for another time. <laughs> you ever, you ever <laughs> see somebody skip over the sentence that they suppose to write and the email that says, well, I'm sorry for your loss or my condolences. They just be like, OK, yeah, but are you going to like, 
yeah, that's like a bit much. Like, yeah, like, come on, man. Have empathy. Have empathy. So listen, um, this has been amazing. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure that our audience has uh, learned something from you because if nothing else, you guys, um, you got to talk about them prenups. So, you know, at everyday ESQ, everyday underscore ESQ, you know, can help you get situated with those prenups. I think that's an interesting conversation because um, as we talk about wealth building, we also have to talk about the planning, right? Whether that's tax planning, whether that's estate planning, just in, in terms of having all of our paperwork and everything together. Because it's one thing to create wealth, but we want to make sure that we keep it from generation to generation. Because that's the sad part. When you see someone do all the right things, um, what do they say? Within three generations, usually it's going core? Yeah, it, 90 90% of wealth that's built in one generation by the third generation is all, it's literally 100% gone. Yeah. And I wonder what so that number Right is. now we're um, on the precipice of the largest transfer, like the largest generational transfer of wealth, like maybe in history or maybe at least in the last century. And we're going to have to plan so that we don't get left out. Um, you know, I say I all the time, have... like burying your head in the sand, don't exempt you from the consequences. Ooh, I do have another question for you. Oh, you have you here because I'm 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 huge in the you know digital currency space. How has that affected your practice? Um, in terms of what's going on, uh, you know, with in, in digital currency and, and now things just not being tangible, so people have other kind of assets. How has that affected your business, if at all? No, it definitely has. Digital assets are something that we have to plan for as part of your active estate plan and as part of your post post death estate plan. Um, so we plan for access to your digital assets. Like the law is way slower than yep. anything. And like Twitter can barely keep up with the names of the coins. So the law is never going to be as specifically tailored as to say, oh, you can access cryptocurrency because that's not even a word they're going to write. But um, the law will allow for you to designate what's called a digital agent. And so your digital assets agent would be the person who could stand in your shoes in the event that you were unable to be able to access your intangibles. Um, and those intangibles are your cryptocurrency. They are your brokerage account. They are your email, your iCloud photos, your Facebook, your Instagram, your online business, your Shopify, your the restaurant that you run. They are all of those accounts, the the 529 that you had for your kids that you forgot that you even transferred money into, like all of those things that live inside your device or in the cloud are all things you need to have a plan for. Um, it's funny because one of the caveats I always, uh, I always bring up is that um, digital assets is something we need to plan for you when we use a power of attorney and we use a will. And we didn't talk a lot about powers of attorneys today, but they're basically the, the thing you use when you're here, but you're just unavailable. Whether you're traveling or you're laid up in a hospital, power of attorney is what you need. So you should get one. You should have one. Don't not have one. Okay. Don't not have one. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you can designate a, you, some people, um, it's, we actually talk about who they're naming as their agent under their power of attorney. And if they want the person to have access to their digital assets while they are alive, or if they only want to reserve their access for only after they passed on. <laughs> I see where that's going. I never <laughs> thought about that. Power of is something you gotta be careful with. Yeah, I never like, thought People about have that. sold people's houses and done all sorts of things right up underneath of their nose. So uh, you gotta be careful with your digital assets. Yeah, I never thought about that. Like, who gets my IG page when I go? I gotta go update my stuff. Like, I, you know, yeah, man. Who, who thinks about that? I just saw a Twitter exchange where some people were lamenting that their friend's Facebook page had gone, had been disabled. You know, Facebook pops up with those memories 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 11 years ago. And this friend's page had been disabled. And now I don't know that. For, I don't know these people. It's Twitter. But yeah. 
with the reason that that happens is because you didn't name someone to be able to access it. Facebook, like everybody else's terms and conditions say, if it's not you, then I don't have to give it to nobody. And then you just get stuck. And then you have to either hope you have access or hope they keep it up. Like, and what, how long they keep it or what they do with it depends. Gmail only keeps your email for a year and then it's permanently deleted. Um, Apple isn't required to keep your stuff for any particular period of time. They just, they're, they just, they like, eek, uh, we don't really know. <laughs> um, Robin Hood was like, mm, we will follow the law, but the law might have you all hemmed up because you didn't have a, you didn't have a plan in place. So yeah, so that's why. Oh, yeah, so it has affected. Yes, but now you need a digital agent too. That's a whole other thing. I didn't, you know. Yeah, so man. it's affecting it's a lot. Right this is a lot, man. Like adulting is hard. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I, got, I got game. That's what I wanted to be an adult. When I was a kid, all I wanted to be was an adult, and now the worst I'm hood adult. to be in. Right. <laughs> I think that's the name of this episode, Core. Adulting is hard. Yeah. Adulting is hard. Ghetto okay. as hell. <laughs> well, listen, Shabri, first of all, I just want to say um, congratulations on all your success and everything you've accomplished thus far. Um, you, you are you are you are amazing and you're helping our community. And I think that's important. And we definitely want to highlight you and just say thank you. And thank you for your time as well. Oh, you're very welcome. You guys are doing you guys are doing are doing what they need, to, what needs to be done. Keeping the people abreast of the things they need to know. Appreciate and that. if they don't know, now they know because <laughs> yeah, y'all be killing it. Y'all be killing it. So keep up the good work, gentlemen. Keep it appreciate up. Appreciate you. Appreciate you for having we, me. It's been such a put, pleasure. Absolutely. And we will put all your contact info as well as your website, your IG and everything. We'll put that in the description um, as well as the show notes for those listening to the audio. So you make sure you get in contact with their, you know, especially, you know, for those prenups out there, you know, you heard about them prenups, right? So <laughs> you need a prenup. You should living, have a prenup that, discussion. That living will, that, that power of attorney, all of it. Listen, man, you know. Yes, you know. a living will. You need a durable power of attorney. You need a health care and you need a will as your foundational estate plan. And those now are the three, the three legs to your chair. I got to see who I want to be my digital agent. I got some thinking to do. Who can be my digital agent? Got to think it through. You know, you got to be careful with your agent designations. Um, I've got a blog post that's coming up. It'll probably come out right around the time that this episode airs. Mm -hmm. um, where I'm going to be talking about uh, the craziness surrounding... Um, um, oh, don't you hate when you just completely blank on Nina Simone's estate? Just completely blank for a second. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of sort of craziness around like what that looks like, what happened. And it, it illustrates a number of points about naming your people. That mm -hmm. I'm going to bring up. So hopefully the people who I mean, listen to this can find their way to my website to find I, it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you saw what just happened with DMX's estate, like um, or maybe yeah, about yeah, his fiance and how yeah, they told her yeah, f out of here. Yeah, yeah, and that's the person. People don't be updating their things. Sometimes the current girlfriend gets the boots. I mean, the current paramour gets the boots. Other times, other times, no, baby. The ex is the one that's still named on the life insurance policy, and the ex takes a cruise. Don't pay for the funeral and don't give you no money. But because their name was still on the policy, they get a Gucci bag because <laughs> I, I've actually seen that happen to a client I had in the real estate uh, 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 sector and um, got divorced, been divorced for years, was reengaged and had, you know, children, whole new family. But never updated the policy. You know, it was in an accident. You know, unfortunately passed away. And ex-wife was like, "I don't care about your new wife or kids." And it ended up in court. Um, but nonetheless, um, 
update your stuff, folks. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Do because I've had the fights get messy and expensive. And yeah, nobody nobody eats except for you attorneys. Your attorneys are making all the money in the in the, in the yeah. folks. And I, that's, not, and that's not how I want to get your money. I want to get your money because I laid you out a super fly new plan. I just created you a couple buckets that you're about to just start dropping stuff into. Not because you didn't want to plan, and now you show up like, oh, it's all messed up. Can you fix it? Like, yep. I'm going to fix it. But come on, let me plan it. <laughs> there you go. At least then I know where the loopholes are. If I did it, <laughs> there you go. There you go. So for the folks out there, please make sure you check out everything she's got going on. Look at the content that she creates around the space because her work is very important. Um, and for our folks out there, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make; it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. <laughs>